Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Armor Report. Welcome to the Week in Review. I'm Brett Rosenthal. We're going to talk about stock market, and we're going to talk about um, our virtual hedge fund that we're building here at the Armor Report. Glad you guys decided to join me on a Saturday morning, because Lord knows, after a long week, you know, after almost every week this year is a long week, you know, sometimes it's nice just to take time off. So the fact that you're taking time to spend it with me, I really appreciate it. You're really helping me build my strategy and execute my strategy. So it really goes both ways. And I wanted to start by thanking you guys for that. Um, Armor Report, what are we doing here? Simple. Three essential stages for investing. This is the Armor Investing Way. It's a virtual hedge fund. We do all of our research, put it on our whiteboard. We don't use our portfolio as a whiteboard, right? We use execution algorithms to take the fear and greed out of decision-making and just execute um, based on algorithmic probabilities. Then we wrap it all up with a bow of risk management rules, which are probably the most important thing. I would have listed it number one, but that's not the progression, okay? So um, that's how we run money. I call it a virtual hedge fund trading desk because, you know, I've spent time managing hedge funds managing capital for individuals for over 30 years. And I, of course, continue to do that, and I run my own personal portfolio. But what I did was I wrapped up those hedge funds, closed them, and I started the Armour Report. And I said, we're going to take the tools that really work, the best hedge fund managers, the guys who really outperform, the institutions that really are a step above. We're going to take those three basic stages and share it with individual investors. You guys are the portfolio managers, right? You're bringing your own portfolio to the virtual hedge fund trading desk. Then we're all sharing this information that we segment into these three stages. So we do research together, put names on the whiteboard. We use algorithms to say when to take them off the whiteboard, put them in the portfolio, and then we follow risk management rules. So we'll go over that. Um, We have four portfolios here that we manage or that I share with you. Um, And I take from all of these portfolios and I manage capital, right? So my own personal capital is in all four portfolios, which means armor index only if I'm long indexes, I have long positions in my personal portfolio. Armor dividend, obviously I've got a huge dividend portfolio set up and it's run a separate way. I love that portfolio, okay? Um, Armor growth and armor ETF. And so I share the spreadsheet with you of what we buy and what we, what we basically invest in, in each of those categories, what the stop losses are, and of course, what the targets are, of where we're going to book profits and how we're going to manage our risk. You can find that at the Armour Report right here. Feel free. If you wanted to um, join us, you can always subscribe right down here to the YouTube channel and also to the Armour Report. If you enjoy this conversation, don't forget, share it with your friends, but only share it with people who are really... Um, interested in improving the way they manage their own capital. This is not about hot stock tips, okay? It's not about meme stocks. This is about really managing capital over a long period of time and doing it successfully. That's what we're here for. So if you know somebody that could benefit from that, you know, share the link. That would be great. All right. Um, So let's dive in. And I like to always start, you know, top down. So I, I look at the big indexes first you know, the essential stage two, which is our algorithms, right? We have that index-only portfolio that follows the risk monitor. The risk monitor went green. So let's go look first at what happened in the first week after the risk monitor turns green. I told you all last week, last time we chatted, that it's of utmost importance the first week after the risk on signal because most of those signals that fail – will fail within the first 48 hours. You get a risk on green and and, and implodes and you're out immediately. So if you can make it past the first week, then perhaps the rally can get some legs in the ensuing weeks. So let's go look um, at the indexes and see what we can gather about what may happen next week to the stock market and how we're going to react to it. All right. 
So I like to start with the big um, uh, S&P head and shoulders chart, which is pretty obvious here. It's, you know, one of the, it's worth printing up and putting above your desk because you're never going to see a head and shoulders pattern that's this obvious and that breaks down this well. <laughs> okay. So um, there's the sell off in the pandemic uh, collapse. Here's the Fed induced hysterical rally. There's the top that forms as the Fed shifts to neutral. And here's the sell off that gets started as the Fed shifts to hawkish. Okay. So you might ask me right now, then Brett, why, why would you possibly put capital to work with a chart that looks that god awful? And I'm going to break it down for you, okay, into styles of management. So I manage different portfolios for different investors, and I have my own capital, right, geared towards different styles. So a conservative investor, a balanced investor, and an aggressive investor, that's how I'm going to address this with you guys. We're going to wrap it all up in, in a bow of those three categories. And then your job as the portfolio manager of your own assets is to figure out where you fall in those three categories and then try to execute that strategy. Okay. So I'll get to that in a minute, but let's just look. Don't forget also guys, um, feel free to add comments into the comment section as I'm talking and then, you know, we'll get to Q and a and we'll spend a lot of time going over all of your questions um, um, in the not too distant future. All right. So bear with me here as we just kind of set it up, set up the pins and then we'll knock them down. Okay. So the reason I put capital to work is the risk monitor went green. So while I see a huge head and shoulders top, I don't try to cherry pick the risk monitor. When it goes green, I put money to work, period. Full stop. The reason, and this is very important. So let's take a minute here. Let's call this armor education. Okay. I want you to just stop for a second and listen to me and think about this, okay? This is incredibly important to managing money successfully, managing like a successful hedge fund. You outline a strategy. Ideally, you outline a strategy using algorithms so that you're on the right side of probabilities when rewards worth risk. And it's not just some type of gut feeling, okay? So you come up with a strategy. It's incredibly important that you execute that strategy to completion. Then you can look back, determine if that fits your risk tolerance and your goals. Maybe you've got to tweak it. That's okay. But when you're in the middle of a play, you've got to see it to completion. You can't let market gyrations get you off of your strategy. And this is one of the number one things I think happens to the average individual investor. Even, even the institutional investor, okay, who, who, who's average. They come up with a strategy. It's a sound strategy. They put capital to work. That's great. Starts to go in their favor, fine. Then volatility hits and they freak out and bail out and completely miss the move. Then they look back six months later and say, God, I got it right and somehow I didn't make money. That's simply because you're not executing the strategy. And the best way to get around that, I, I, I've found, if you have to, is write it out. What am I doing with my portfolio? Steps one through whatever and follow it to completion. Then go back and look and see, was that right? And do I want to change it? But don't stop a process in the middle, particularly if it's a process that you've Done the research on, for us, I'm talking about our strategies. We know statistically putting money to work every time the risk monitor goes green is going to make us money. Now, it's a probability algorithm. So even if it's right seven out of ten times, we're going to lose money three times, okay? And the, the way the market is, it's so insidious, you'll, you'll lose money three times in a row, <laughs> okay? Um, and at the end of the third time, you're like, oh, I can't execute the strategy anymore. It's not working, right? And then, of course, if you continued, you, you, would, you would go on a 7 for 0 rip. This is what I'm talking about. You have to execute a strategy and stay with it to completion for the probabilities to express themselves. So how do I handle the fact that that's a massive head and shoulders top, okay, um, and I'm still putting money to work? How do I deal with that? All right, 
as a portfolio manager, I can say to myself, the risk monitor is green and I'm putting money to work. But how do I want to structure the – I've chosen to go with more capital into indexes, ETFs, dividend plays, and less capital in growth stocks. Right? That's one way to go. For a conservative portfolio, I'm carrying 50% cash. I don't care what the market does. So I'm going to take half the money, put it to work. I'm leaving half in cash because I can't stand that chart pattern. I'm willing to make less as the market rallies because I want to protect my capital more for some portfolios I run. You see what I'm saying? In my aggressive portfolio, I'm going to, I'm going to own everything on my spreadsheet, and then I'm going to trade it. Intraday trading comes in, uh, comes in you know, uh, real handy, real important for me in my aggressive portfolio. I'm going to do things like use VIX to hedge during the day. Okay, I'm going to trade the indexes, hold them overnight occasionally because it's a swing trading opportunity, but sometimes I trade them out and raise cash if I'm uncomfortable. We'll get to that in a minute. All right, so let's go look at some of the indexes here. Head and shoulders top, but we have this beautiful three-bar reversal, and I don't care that it happened right in front of a, a long weekend. It doesn't make a difference. It's a three-bar reversal. We have a risk on green right there. We put money to work. And so this is the NASDAQ. You can see what's going on there. And just, just to show you the big indexes, there's the Dow. Now, you're going to notice on all of these charts this yellow dashed line. And this is what I really wanted to go over with you today because I think it's, it's, it's essential to the direction of the market. So I'm just showing you the top four indexes. Don't forget the risk monitor follows seven indexes, the top four, S&P, NASDAQ, Dow, small cap. For those of you who've been watching me for a couple of years, thanks for bearing with me as I explain it again, because those of you who are new, I want to make sure we're on the right page. And then we have these three secondary in indexes we use to confirm the big move, momentum, value, and the IBD 50, which is like the innovator stocks. When all seven of those say the same thing, statistically speaking, we've proven through our algorithms that the markets will express themselves higher to a certain degree. Now, if the Fed had come out and said, we're going to, stop, we're, we're going to start adding liquidity, and I got a risk monitor green signal, I'd be loading the boat. I might even be on margin, okay? And, and um, I would expect a huge move. What's happening now is the Fed's reducing liquidity. There's crazy things going on around the world. It's very difficult to make money this year. So I don't know what to expect on this move, all right? And so I'm, I'm executing in a way where I'm going to be more aggressive booking profits. I'm going to raise stops a little bit faster, and I'm going to look to put out shorts or buy puts on indexes when we get to the next level. And that's what I wanted to say today. Will we get to the next level? The key here is to look at this yellow dash line, Okay. That's the low of Fed Hawk Day on May 4th. The Fed came out on May 4th. We already knew the Fed was, you know, reducing liquidity and raising rates. And then they made this call on May 4th that was like waking up the market. Hold on a second. The Fed is woefully behind the curve. They're totally admitting it. There's a major problem, okay? And the market cratered off of that. We had a little double bottom, and now we rallied right back to it. So on my charts, and I suggest you all do this, look at the May 4th low on the indexes. We closed a little bit below them. Mm, that was a disappointment to me. All right? This nice update Thursday, I really wanted to see a follow-through. Friday closing above the yellow line. If we close above the May 4th low, we close above the May 4th high, that would be unbelievable. And I expect we're going to get up there. But if we close above the May 4th low, what it's telling me is institutions are willing to put some money to work there. The shock of a Fed hawkish stance is starting to wear off. So that's a major, major importance to me. If the market craters next week, my, my, my guess is we'll be risk monitor red by the end of next week. If we break down below, we we kind of closed right around that yellow line, okay? Um, and, and what I want to see, so it was almost like the close on Friday was really, see the Dow closed right on it, right? Where did the NASDAQ close? I think it closed farthest below it. 
Oh, I don't have it on the NASDAQ. Let's take a quick look. I'll just do it like this because it's pretty easy to see. Right there. We'll make it yellow. And we'll make it dashed so we know what line this is. Okay. I use TradeStation as my trading tools. You guys always ask me that. So um, I use TradeStation. You know, I, I wouldn't recommend them for a brokerage account, but when it comes to trading tools, it's my favorite choice. So you can see right there on a Thursday, the NASDAQ stopped right at the yellow line, came back down. All right, so let's just wrap up this segment by saying risk monitor is still green. The weekly close, on the one hand, most risk monitor greens that fail, fail in the first week. So we got out of the first week successful. Whew, great. Now we can build on it next week. Okay? And the key for me is going to be that yellow line. So the close on Friday, since it closed below that line, in all of my portfolios where I didn't have cash, my aggressive portfolios where I was 100% invested, I took all of my index positions out. So I just want to, I want to help you understand how to use the information I'm trying to provide. Each of you are your own, you're your own portfolio manager working at a virtual hedge fund. Okay? So... Um, think billions, think billions, right? The show billions on Showtime. You guys are all sitting on that desk at the bottom of the stairs, right? You're all sitting together on that desk, managing your own portfolios, right? Axe comes up with the bigger picture strategy, and then you, all of those guys are executing with their own P&L, portfolio managers, executing a strategy within the overall strategy, right? So that's what you're doing. You're one of those guys on the desk. You're saying, okay, here's the big strategy. Risk monitors, green, putting some capital to work. Now, am I conservative, balanced, aggressive? Now, how do I want to structure my portfolio? So for a conservative portfolio, for me, 50% cash, 50% long the indexes. I'm not selling the indexes for that account. I've got a lot of cash, and I'm using indexes to capture whatever upside I can get. My aggressive portfolio, I own dividend stocks, growth stocks, ETFs that are on my spreadsheet, right? And so what I wanted to do over the weekend is carry cash. So I sold all my indexes and I'll go back at it again next week. If the market goes above that yellow line, I'll put that cash back to work in the indexes. Okay. And what I'm looking for on this, since we got out of the first week, I'm expecting the market to go higher. I really am. Okay, and I'm expecting to run up to the 200-day moving average and the neckline. That's, that's generally what happens when you get a head and shoulders breakdown. You'll get a rally back to the neckline. And then if it fails there, that's where I'll be putting my, my puts on in the portfolio and hedging the portfolio and booking some short-term profits and raising stops to break even or higher to make sure we make some money on this go-round. All right, so that's how I'm trading those portfolios and the indexes. Now, let's uh, skip over to... Um, our portfolios and what our changes are, additions and deletions to the portfolio. So let me start um, with precious metals here. Um, GD, let's just look at GDX for now. So I just wanted to go over this um, real quick with, uh, with you. You all know that we're uh, fans here of precious metals. The Armour Report's been trading um, precious metals on and off for the last couple of years. We've done it successfully. We, we keep making money at it because really for two reasons. Number one, the only way to make money in precious metal stocks is to buy weakness after they've, get, after they've been wrecked, okay? So they've been wrecked, and that's why I'm starting to nibble. Well, it's more than a nibble right now, okay? That's why I'm putting positions on. Um, the other thing you have to do is sell into strength, and you have to raise your stops aggressively. So... When the metals come down here, and I'm not going to get into a big debate, okay, about what's going on uh, in gold and silver, but um, there's the big sell-off. There's right back into the meat of the support where we originally bought our metal stocks and had this nice run. We made money on that run. We got out, book a profit, comes down back to the support, so we're starting to buy it again, all right? I shared with you this chart on Twitter um, and just GLD, I don't like GLD, but it's just a clean chart of gold, okay? And so I'm looking for a close above that white line right there. So what we did last week, and I'm going to swing it over to 
sprout physical gold because that's what I'm buying instead. Well, okay, the end of the month is this big down bar right here. So we, didn't, we don't chase the rally here because it's into the end of the month, and we always know there's weakness at the end of the month, and there was, bang, the last day of the month. So we bought the first day of the new month, and it gapped up above the 200 days. So we added some more there. Right? Then we had a down day yesterday. Not a big deal. It just closed the gap. And um, you know, also, just a quick note, uh, I believe Europe's closed. The banks are closed. So you're not going to get another fix, a real liquid fix, until um, uh, Tuesday. Okay? So there's more shenanigans that can happen on Monday. But by Tuesday, we should see the real um, metals players come back into play. Uh, and, and I may take weakness on Monday to build up my portfolio a little bit more. So I took what I thought was about a third of the position I wanted on um, the first day of the, 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 the new month. I doubled it on the breakout above the 200-day. And now if there's weakness back down, I might triple it. And that would be my maximum holding in, in precious metals. Okay. Uh, my favorite names are always, just as an example, the three um, royalty plays. I like Royal Gold. I like Franco Nevada. Okay, I like wheat and precious metals. Whoops. All right, for my dividend portfolio, um, I own shares of Newmont Mining at a better than 3% yield and Gold Corp at a better than 3% yield. And both of these companies are telling us that they're going to be raising the dividend as the price of gold goes up and they, you know, they're, they're going to be giving cash back to shareholders. So I suspect that that dividend will be going higher. Okay. Moving right along, um, time for uranium again, CCJ. We added some CCJ last week right here coming across the 200-day moving average, all right? So, again, we bought here. It ripped higher. We made money on that rip. We got out of those positions. Remember that? We did a YouTube video about why we exited on that big down day right there. Cratered back above the 200-day, starting to nibble again. Love the uranium story. Um, you know, I just, I just did some research. I was listening to um, um, somebody I really respect in the precious metal space this morning, and he was talking about um, what China is doing to create their own reserve currency, and they're creating a basket of assets to back their currency as they move away from the U.S. dollar. Gold is at the top of that basket, silver's in that basket, and this particular gentleman thinks it's the most undervalued of the whole basket. But what I heard is he, he read off what all the, all the assets that are going to be in the basket, energy is going to be in the basket. Uranium is going to be in the basket. What? That's a small market. Chinese are putting uranium into that basket that's going to back their currency. That's, that's, really, that's really interesting. So I'm going to dig out some more information on that and uh, share it with our insiders uh, on Monday um, because that, that makes me, you know, we already know it's a bullish story in uranium. Uh, that makes it an unbelievably bullish story. So um, added some shares of U, UEC and added some shares of UUUU. These are my three favorite names. Um, it's hard to own these things. They, they get illiquid real quick. Okay, real quick when the market's going down. So the market breaks down next week, I'll probably be out of all these. They just follow the market, okay? But um, I've got my three names. I could bump up the position size a little bit in UEC and UUUU. I might. We'll see. Um, this is the spot to buy these things, just like gold and silver. You have to buy uranium cheap, and then when it rips higher, you've got to sell some into it and raise your stops. Now, one of these days... Uranium and precious metals are just going to go berserk to the upside. And what's going to happen to my portfolio, the armor portfolios, is we're going to book some profits on the initial pop, raise our stop to a trailed stop, and it's going to blow out. And we're going to have a great position on having booked some profits and raised our stop. And then it's just sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. You don't have to hold on for dear life and go through months where your net worth is getting wrecked just so you can come out the upside making money months later. It doesn't make any sense, guys. Risk management, one of the most important stages of managing capital. And a lot of people don't understand it. And so they suffer through things that they just shouldn't have to suffer through. 
All right, I'll get off that. Um, another sector that we're real excited about, of course, we're building our exposure to um, defense. Okay, so big defense. Now you can't argue with that chart pattern, on Northrop Grumman. You know, I won't accept. I won't accept an argument. If you put an argument in it, I'm not going to read it. <laughs> There's just that's the greatest looking chart pattern I can find in the stock market right now. Huge base breakout, pennant consolidation, breakout at the end of the uh, end of the week, and look at the weekly chart. Holy smokes! You know, technical analysis says the 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 width of the base is the height of the move. So here's the width of the base, and then you turn it on its axis, and that's how high the stock should go. This base can support a symmetrical move up off of that base. So it's just getting started. And there's the pendant breakout on a weekly basis. And so then we've got an allocation to Lockheed Martin, which is a little bit behind, right? It hasn't broken out yet. We're buying close to the stop. We added shares of LHX, okay? Another pendant formation, same type of a chart pattern, okay? There's a huge base cup and handle breakout, pullback, all right? We're not, uh, it's, and we're buying it early, right? It hasn't broken out yet. Northrop is leading. And then we like to focus on the, the, the drone companies. So AVAV, oops. You know, you've heard me talk about AVAV. I don't think this will be a public company by the end of the year. I don't know anything. I don't have any inside information. It's just years of me managing money and, ex and, and seeing this type of story develop. Um, business is coming their way ridiculously fast and they're not going to have the capacity to, to, to meet it all. So it's just a natural fit for a Lockheed or a Northrop or a Raytheon or whomever wants to come in here and take this company over. That, I just think that's coming. I, I could be wrong. I don't, I don't have any, you know, specific details about that. Okay. But uh, I'm on that stock and I'm going to stay on it because I think that's coming. Uh, and then, you know what? Here's a little uh, secret I idea. I call it secret because it's an Israeli company and not a lot of people are going to play it. But I think um, if you're looking for drone technology, and I, I was doing work research on, on the Armored Day. You can find the research, by the way, on our website under Armor Research. Click on it. You can see we follow conference calls. We talk to management. And I give you bullet points about what I think we, the, the important information that's been revealed on those meetings. And when I listen to that Elbit call, you know, I'm, I, I think drones, um, I'm, I'm not the author of this idea. Drones, the, the Ukraine war is proving that drone warfare is here um, and it's completely revolutionizing warfare. It's the future in every way, you know. Um, and so focusing on the right drone companies to me with the companies with the right technology should offer serious alpha. Now, it's hard to find. Some of them are just so small. You know, I can't invest in them, okay? Like um, Red Cap is a really interesting idea. It's just too tiny for me to do it, okay? It's a dollar and change. But you know what's interesting about the stock, Red Cap? What's interesting is this is a hobby company in Orlando, Florida. Maybe I'll make a road trip and go up there and meet with them. Boy, that would be a really interesting meeting. I might do that. I might get on the phone and set that up, sit down with management, try to really understand the story. But um, it's a hobby company. They make hobby drones. They, there was a story read, you know, they, that they, they, they revealed recently that their drones are flying off the shelf, pun intended, and they're all ending up in Ukraine. These, these hobby drones, they're ending up in Ukraine. They're being used for forward intelligence, all kinds of stuff. It's the future of warfare. This is a tiny little company. I can't, I can't really invest in it, but um, those are my thoughts there on, on drones. So let me keep rolling on here. I don't want to go too long before I get to your questions. Um, let's just wrap up with this crazy thought, and then I'll get to Q&A. Um, I'm going to put this on the board. I'm going to talk about it. This is like maybe one of the greatest asymmetrical trades in the market today. Everybody is afraid that Taiwan is going to be taken over or attacked or whatever by China. The fears are at their highest because of what Russia is doing in the Ukraine. Okay? Um, so why do I put up a chart of KWeb, which is the biggest you know, type of Internet stocks in, in, in China? 
You know me. If you follow the Armour Report, I've told you to avoid Chinese stocks all the way down, right from the top. I said, I have no interest in Chinese stocks, right? And this blew up people. And I tried to tell everybody, avoid Chinese stocks for all of these reasons. I'm not going to go over it again. So you might be shocked right now. Maybe some of you are falling off your chair right now when I say, maybe I want to buy Chinese stocks. Now, I'm going to give credit where credit's due. Dan Niles, whom I respect, you've seen him on CNBC, right? He's been the one talking about this trade, and it really got me interested. I started thinking about it. It's so brilliant as a hedge for an energy defense portfolio that we have in spades at the Armour Report. What do I mean by that? Could you imagine if peace broke out tomorrow? What do you think will happen to defense stocks and energy stocks? Now, I mean, just walk down this path for a minute. I know it's not going to happen. War is escalating. Things are getting worse. Let's just pretend we woke up in the morning. Russia and U- Ukraine armistice, they, they're sitting down to agree on whatever. Um, and uh, China's, China's reopening, which has already started happening. So Shanghai's open again. I mean, 600 of 800 Starbucks have opened last week in China and in Shanghai. So they're starting to open up China again. The central bank is adding liquidity at a torrid pace in China, trying to support, uh, 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 you know, uh, really a real estate market that's imploding. So they're following the U.S. playbook, right? So if we just ran a fund where we bought stocks in countries where the Fed was adding liquidity, the, the, the Fed equivalent, and we shorted stocks in, com- in countries where the Fed was reducing liquidity, I bet we'd make a fortune. Right? So in the U.S., we have liquidity reduction. We have a, a bear market unfolding. And yet in China, they're adding liquidity. They're reopening their economy. Stocks have been destroyed, like 78% off the highs. And everybody is afraid of China. Everybody thinks China is going to start invading Taiwan. And I'm just submitting to you a certain portion of my portfolio should be in equities that benefit from a more dovish China right now at this moment. Thank you, Dan, for making me think. Perfect hedge for the rest of my portfolio. How am I going to do it? Okay. Um, K-Web is the aggressive way to do it. Okay. I love that bottoming wedge. Put the position on here, breaks down, I get out. Now, obviously, there's a lot of overnight risk that's hard for me to manage. So I don't know if I'm going to go with K-Web. But what about Rio Tinto? What about DHP? These are the type of stocks, basic material companies. And by the way, that's also part of, um, I think there was 10, I think, I think what I heard was there were 10 uh, assets going into a basket that's going to back um, a currency to be used um, that China is developing, Right. And one of them is basic materials. So you're talking about things that BHP, Rio Tinto, uh, Valley Corp, right? Um, uh, Tech, T-E-C-K, all of these companies. If, if China is able to have an economic resurgence because of all of the QE going in, which assuming they do the same things that we did in the U.S., that'll work. Then... I want to have some of my portfolio allocated to pro-China growth right at a time where everybody's certain that China's going to go into Taiwan and blah, blah, blah. Okay? Well, look, if that happens, the rest of my portfolio is going berserk, right? Energy, defense. I mean, those stocks are going to go to the moon if China decides to step into Taiwan. So I might lose a little bit of money over here in K-Web and, you know, I don't know. I mean, BHP and Rio might go up on that news. But you see what I'm saying. But let's say talk about K-Web for a minute. All right, I'll lose money that day on K-Web, and my rest of my portfolio will go berserk. So what happens to my portfolio if China comes out and gets, and gets dovish and their economy starts to, starts to move? It's a, an asymmetrical trade. And so I'm going to leave you on that note. It's a thought. Ruminate with it. It's at the top of my whiteboard. The asset we added last week, thanks to Erez for this idea, I thought it was just brilliant, is the ETF FTRI. 
First Trust, Natural Resources. This company, go take a look at it. This ETF owns Rio, BHP, all of those types of names. It has a yield of over 6%. I put it in my dividend portfolio. Yields over 6%. And it gives me ownership in all of those names without single stock risk or anything like that i got to worry about. Oh, I love that idea. Great job, Ares. Thanks for that. All right. So um, those are my thoughts for today. Thanks for spending um, your, your time listening. Now it's your time to ask the questions, and I'll do the listening and try to answer. Let's go. Um, happy birthday. Thanks. <laughs> May 4th was the birthday. All right. Um, what sector stocks uh, do you think will be market leaders this time? And this is a bottom, and a new bull begins. That's an interesting idea, interesting thought, Maxim. When the market bottoms, and a new bull market begins. I don't know if I can answer that question right now, Maxim. We could talk about that on the on the trading desk during the week together. Um, and certainly, that's something to be done with your whiteboard. You know. You, you, you think about these things in advance. That's the essential stage one of the Armour Investing way. I love where your head is. Think about where you want to be. Do the research. Build your list of names. And then when the time is right, you'll already know where to go. Um, I can't answer the question because I don't know what will, what will prompt the next bull market. So if you say to me, the Fed does an about face and starts adding liquidity again and lowering rates. I'm going to tell you um, everything in the ARC funds and the IBD 50 is where I'm going to want to load up my portfolio because that's what explodes when the Fed is adding ridiculous amounts of liquidity. But if the Fed moves away from that and stops doing that and their, their answer is we're not going to add liquidity, but we don't have to raise rates anymore. And, 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 and we're not going to reduce liquidity, and, and we're going to go back to an economic cycle. You know, I, I, it's going to be a stock picker's market, you know, and we'll have to work on that. But I, I, I don't know. I can't, even, I can't even get there right now because I'm, I'm trying to focus on the market we're in. And so on, at one level, we just want to read and react to what we've got. You know, right now we've got a market that's dominated by energy and continues to go up. Oh, here's another thought for you. Forgot to mention this, but um, I'm I'm really uh, I'm really interested in these LNG guys that are delivering liquid natural gas all over the world to um, countries that are being starved out by Russia. So here's a new issue: EE is the symbol. And I just want to share this thought with you guys before I get back to your questions. Um, in my experience. When you identify a group or a sector that is just experiencing massive inflows of capital, it can be internet stocks in the late 1990s. It can be energy stocks right now. There will be a couple of new issues, companies that come public right in that time. And the stocks will just skyrocket. And I suspect that may be the case with a company like EE. Now, Skyrocket's not going to do something like a hot internet stock in the midst of an internet boom. But they're going to be a dividend payer. The way to understand this company is really they're a mobile pipeline company. It's like a pipeline. We own all the pipeline stocks, and we're having huge success there in our dividend portfolio. This company is going to start paying the dividend next month. They're going to be increasing the dividend as they go. It's almost like a dividend company. They own 20% of the worldwide fleet of vessels that carry liquid natural gas to a place like Finland, hook up to their pipeline system, and turn it back into natural gas, right? So Finland cut a deal with this company, I don't know, what was it, what, 10 or 15-year supply deal of liquid natural gas. So they have ships, they come to the U.S., liquid, they take natural gas, liquefy it, put it, take it across the ocean, hook up, dump it all into Finland's system so people can have natural gas, right? That's what this company does. They have 20% of the worldwide fleet. 
this could be a very compelling idea. And so the time to buy it, in my experience, if this is going to be right, I could be wrong about these things, right? If it's going to be right, the time to buy it is when the asset makes a new weekly high from its uh, initial offering. Okay? So if you look at the um, – so here it came public at like 24 bucks, went to, opened at 28 sold off, tested the lows. And now this is the week it closes at a new high. So that's where I put the position on. I use the low of this week as my stop, and I let it run, and I see where it ends up, and it, it see if it turns into one of those IPO darlings of a sector that's experiencing massive inflows of capital, right? So there's a thought for you. Moving on. For aggressive insiders, would there ever be a time in our energy portfolio that we would consider trading ERX? Uh, Drixion 2x 2x uh, energy um, says three times the performance. Um, did you say trading or investing? Trading. Yeah, I can see trading it. You know, I'll, I'll trade it. Um, boy, that's running away, huh? But I mean, I I, I could day trade it. Maybe I mean, I wouldn't go buy that right here. Um, it depends on how aggressive you want to be, Richard. You know, there's aggressive and then there's just, and I mean, no disrespect. I'm saying for me personally, when I look at an investment, I say there's aggressive and then there's greedy. Now, I don't want to be on greedy. I just want to be aggressive. So to me, owning the E&P stocks is aggressive enough. Buying Devon as it's blowing out is aggressive enough. I, I, I don't know if I need a 2Xer but, or a 3Xer, you know. Um, see, there's Devon. It looks like it looks like Devon. I'd rather own Devon and pick up the dividend deal that they keep raising the dividend. Um, yeah. So, um, but from a trading point of view, putting out day trades. I mean, don't let me forget it. Let's look at it on Monday together and see if there's entry points. I don't. I don't. But I don't think I would hold it overnight. My portfolio. I'd rather actually own a company that actually touches the, you know, the um, the black gold, as it were. Uh, right. They might run gold and silver even lower because it makes no sense in inflation times, but who knows? I'm not exactly sure what you mean by that, but um, in other words, you're being, I think you're being uh, um, sarcastic or, you know, which I totally agree with. I mean, you would expect gold and silver to be dramatically higher already. You know, but we have that wicked run up in the United States, in the U.S. dollar. And they use that excuse to wreck, um, wreck gold for, for a time. But that's just, if you take a bigger picture look, that guy, at, and let's look at GLD just because it's a little bit cleaner there. Um, let's go to the weekly chart. You know, what's really wrong with the chart right now? It, it, this is a huge run up in gold, right, that happened 2019. We, we were actually buying it right in here. Okay, and then this was what was this twenty? Yeah, this is this this. Oh yeah, this was the pandemic right here, right? We got on that trade. We got on that trade. Now it's been making a huge pennant. What's wrong with that? And I mean, now if it breaks down out of the pennant, it's over. So this is the place to buy it. If it closes below that medium bar reversal right there, I'm done. Now I'm not going to own gold. But this is the place to buy it. You know, and if it moves higher here and breaks that pennant on the upside, man, sky is the limit on the metal. That's my opinion. I could be wrong. CENX. Um, uh, so there's, I have no interest. There's somebody else on our trading desk was asking me about this. I can't remember who at the end of the day, Friday. So here was the entry point. It made a pennant. We got on it right here, and we have risk management rules. We got out of it right there. Okay, so we got on it. We got out of it, and then it imploded. So I'm glad you bring this up because this is such a key uh, chart to look at. Not all, not all pennants break out to the upside, and when they break down, you've got to get out of Dodge immediately. There's no sitting and thinking about it. You've got to protect capital first. 
and then it imploded. Boom. So I have no interest in that chart. That's like catching a falling knife, and that doesn't work for me. Um, rig, I actually added rig on Friday. Okay? I actually added rig on Friday. That's a really sweet-looking chart pattern to me, and I think this thing is going to break out, and I want to own rig before it does. Um, my stop is tight. If it goes below the low of Friday, I'll get out. Okay? But I actually added it Friday, and um, HP is my horse. This is the stock that's still in the portfolio from here, and I'm not selling it um, as long as it stays above the 50-day moving average. That's my trailed stop right there. <coughs> Those are my two. I'd like to own neighbors, but it, it got away from me right here. And I, don't, I didn't like that. that. That was just too aggressive. So I'm going to stick with rig. And, and um, what's precision drilling look like right now? I'd love to get precision. This is the Canadian driller. It didn't really give me an entry. It just boom and reversed. So I'm going to go with those two names. I don't know why you're suffering with Tilray, brother. Um, but uh, I wish you the best of luck. Biotech is, is just not giving us any reason to get long. Biotech looks god-awful. So um, avoiding that stuff for now. Casey, how you doing, brother? About them Rangers. Ah, man, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Let's go Rangers. I mean, who would have thought they would be this deep into the playoffs, up to nothing against Stanley Cup champions last year? Mm. Wow. They're so young, they don't know that they shouldn't be doing this. That's what's beautiful about them. They just don't know. That kid line is unbelievable. They're getting stronger and stronger. And it's really like, I don't know if you're watching these games, but every time Kako, Lafreniere, and Hedl get on the ice, they just dominate. They're like, they're, they're, they're skating circles around them. It's incredible. I almost want to put them out every other shift. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Um, anyway, lots of fun. Thanks for asking that question. And I'm just trying to contain myself. You know, you, it's a long series, and I thoroughly expect the Lightning to bounce back and have a couple of wins in here because – you know, um, a champion doesn't, it doesn't go down without a fight, you know. Um, and, and at some point, you expect Vasilevsky to wake up from his slumber, you know. But it is interesting that um, you look at the regular season and these two games, the Rangers have won five straight games off of the Lightning this year. They swept the season series and they won the first two. So let's see if we can keep it going. Um, Let's take a look at the stocks you're interested in. IRM. Otherwise, I could talk about the Rangers all day. Iron Mountain. God, I'm glad you brought this up because I always try to find my way into this. I, I totally, you know, my dividend portfolio, it's an embarrassment that I don't own it down here. It's just an utter embarrassment. This is a document management company with a fat yield that should be in my portfolio right there. And then I just, I can't chase it. You know, I, the reason my dividend portfolio works is that I never chase things. I buy them on weakness. You know, the dividend portfolio is outperforming every other portfolio I run. I don't buy Exxon and chase it up here. Okay, the original entry point was right there, cup and handle base, nice consolidation, bought the weakness, you know, ride in the thing, right? I might have traded it a couple times, but in some, you know, pure dividend portfolios, I'm just riding it. You know, same thing with CBX. okay? Where, where is the place to buy it? Right here. This is where we were buying it. It just ran. Now, now it's gone, right? So I can't go buy Iron Mountain now. I've just missed it. And I just put up a um, short four-minute video uh, on uh, um, this morning. I think it came out on uh, our YouTube channel. You can subscribe to it right down here if you guys aren't already subscribed. And it's a four-minute video. It's not very long, but it's a mea culpa, mea culpa. I put a terrible trade on this week, and I want you to see it. Go watch that four-minute video, okay? Because I think I might force myself to watch that four-minute video every morning for the next, you know, couple of weeks to stop myself from buying incorrectly. You make your money when you buy a stock, not when you sell it. I didn't make that up. That's been around for years. It's just very hard to execute that because we get caught up in emotion and excitement and we talk ourselves out of things. Go watch that video when we're done talking, okay? Because 
Every day I come in and my job is to focus on buying right and sticking with the strategy where the probabilities are at their highest and rewards worth risk. I need to ask myself that, that question every time I come out. So what, what can I do now with IRM? I just, I can't go buy it up here. Even if it goes higher, Casey, it's not the point. It, it's, just, it's just not the right structure for a dividend position for me, so I, I have to avoid it. MEE, is this really a dividend stock? Not really, right? This thing is like a growth stock in the utility portfolio. Um, I, I, I don't love that chart pattern, but I do like XLU. You can't argue with that. It just keeps walking up. It's weird. My favorite guys in that space are like Duke and Southern Company with 4% yields. Um, S, whoops, SG, oh, you got SGML, Lithium Corp. You know, I, 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 I don't know what to do with my lithium situation. Go watch that video. I traded it horribly last week. Um, if I were to buy a, another lithium stock back, I mean, I think Albemarle is the one that held up the best. But um, that's my opinion. All right. Let's go on. Brian, what's happening, man? How are you? Uh, SII. It had such a bizarre uh, collapse that it's off of my whiteboard right now. The chart was absolutely ruined, and it was already a thin stock to begin with. So I I'm just not buying that again. Uh, and we made money on that, right? We bought it here, and we actually sold it out. And that I don't know exactly where we stopped it out, but I know we were out before that big down day or in the midst of that big down day, we were you know, getting out and booking our game. And I don't know what I'm going to do with it now. I, I, that chart's just totally busted. Yeah. Um, so I've started buying uranium stocks. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to stick to the mining stocks. I'm going to watch SRUUF. It's just not liquid enough for me. I, I, I just... I mean, it, it, it's not that it's not liquid enough. I don't know how to explain it. Um, there's only so many dollars I want to commit to uranium, and I'd rather commit it to my favorite mining stocks. Boom. That's it. But I love SRUUF. It's a great idea. Um, I think there's a fat – I think it's trading at a discount to its NAV, I think. I haven't looked at that recently, so not a bad idea. All right. Um, I know. I know, right? I miss Axe Capital, too. But, but let's be honest, I missed the original Axe, like the first couple of years. Then it got stupid, you know, and, and whatever. But, um, but that is the structure of our virtual hedge fund. If you're trying to understand what it is I'm doing here, what are we doing at the Armour Report? It's that, it's that structure. It's the virtual trading floor that you guys are all on all day with me as we're trading. I'm sharing the live screen and we're talking about big picture strategy and then with inside of that each of you are the portfolio managers doing your own uh thing to create alpha hey let's go ranges i love it um and and, and let's just be honest for a second isn't jacob truba the man i mean he's just laying waste to the nhl i love it i hope they never get those hits out of the game you got to keep your head up when you come across a blue line don't complain don't complain oh you should oh you put a shoulder Keep your head up. I mean, come on, guys. Am I that old school? You know? Otherwise, it just turns into a men's league hockey game. You know? All right. Which um, Chinese stocks are you looking at? Jay, um, I, I, I think maybe the best way to, to do it, if I do it, is just to own K-Web. Um, that's the most aggressive way to do it. I mean, FXI, obviously, is maybe a, another way to do it a little less aggressive. It includes banks, though. It includes construction companies. Do I want to own banks and construction? Maybe I do. I don't want to overthink it. You know, maybe, maybe FXI is the way to go. You know, so K-Web is your, you know, geared towards, I mean, I think Tencent is one of the, like, like a 12% holding in there, Baidu, and all the, all the big, you know, internet names we know. And then FXI has got a bunch of you know, construction and banks and stuff like that in there as well. So, I don't know, maybe I own both. I don't want to share, try to try to pick stocks in China. I'm picking, um, I'm not picking stocks in China. I'm talking about a hedge on the rest of my portfolio. 
in, a, in the most liquid way I'm, I can do it without any individual stock risk. I don't want to pick the wrong China company that drops 50%. That's just more risk in my portfolio. I want to say, what if China is more dovish? What if the world turns more dovish overnight? And my portfolio is full of defense and energy stocks. Okay, it's going to get crushed that day. It'll be a great day for humanity and a terrible day for my portfolio. So how do I hedge some of that risk? And this just seems like a no-brainer. Now, if the Chinese stocks were crashing, I wouldn't be doing that. But I'm looking at the, the, the bottoming wedge, and I'm starting to think, because I know, I know um, Dan Niles has been talking about, um, he's been talking about this trade for a while, and, and in all fairness, you know, he's been wrong, okay, because they just keep going down, all right? But if, they, if this bottoming wedge is to be believed in FXI, and it breaks out the top side, that, that could be a, just a great, not only a hedge. I mean, it could, it could, it could be a great play in the whole portfolio. I mean, it's just, so that's how I'm going to play that. I'm not going to go individual names. How about sweet green? I don't know sweet green unless you're, unless you're talking about cannabis, brother. <laughs> I call that sweet green, <laughs> but I don't know what sweet green is. Um, All China. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do the CN. I think FXI and um, KWeb might be the two plays I go. Um, interesting idea. Um, oh, I see. Yeah, okay. But um, I appreciate that. Um, but they don't actually have to sell into China. It, can you imagine government restrictions? And um, every time governments restrict and do things like that, prices of the asset go through the roof. So the more restrictions, the more prices go berserk. Um, um, but I appreciate that. And, 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 but here's the thing, Jay. It's, it's, it's a piece of information like that that doesn't help me at all. I, I don't mean to be harsh here, but what I'm saying is I can't make a decision about investing based on whether or not a government boycotts or doesn't boycott or they boycott, you know, um, in the media. And then we find out months later they've been selling it out the back door. I mean, I don't know. So all I can do is say, look, this is an asymmetrical trade. Everybody hates China right now. Everyone's afraid of China, blah, blah, blah. So the upside's enormous if China turned out to be more dovish. And it's a perfect hedge in my portfolio. That's all I'm talking about right now. So I don't want to get into the politics of what may or may not happen, but it doesn't help me. Howdy, Doc. How are you doing, man? After too many scars trading gold and silver in the years, I am staring, starting to be skeptical of the whole sector. I'm currently in it. I am currently in it. <laughs> Mo, I love you, Mo. We miss you on the trading desk. I'll be honest with you. We, we were talking about you this week. Um, um, so you're welcome back anytime. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know how to help you, brother, because the arm reports trading precious metal stocks successfully and making money. So I, I just I say, come into the fold and just execute with us. Don't get emotional about them. They're, they're just a setup. I'm putting a position on. They hit the stops. I get out. It's not emotional. It doesn't matter to me. Anything I buy could hit a stop. It's not about my ego or what the asset are. I shouldn't have done that. I could have known it. I don't. I, I make the best decision I can make. I put a trade on using algorithms. I use stops to protect myself. When the stock goes up enough or the asset goes up enough, I book some profits and raise my stops. The whole thing comes crashing down. You made some money. If the thing keeps skyrocketing, you make a lot more money. Rinse and repeat until we get to a, a world that, that begins to make sense and gold and silver go up a lot, which they should in the environment we're in. That's all. That's all I got to say for you there, man. All right, let's take a look at some stocks for you. AMD. You know, um, yeah, AMD looks great, and, and NVIDIA, when I say looks great, I mean, these are the two stocks I might buy off the low, but, you know, for me, I don't like big cap tech right now, and the way I'm playing it is just to trade 
QLD, which is twice the NASDAQ 100, and I'm going to capture some upside there. Um, Home Depot. Uh, there, there's nothing about that chart that's compelling to me. So I'm not, uh, I mean, lower lows and lower highs. There's not, I'm trying to rip through this for you and see if there's a chart pattern I like. We're not going to talk for them. Now, I do like Enphase. And I, we were talking about that in the desk this week. Enphase and Solar Edge are my two favorite, you know, um, solar stocks. They both have similar chart patterns, and they're both, uh, they're, they're, they're compelling, but I just haven't pulled the trigger. Um, I'm not going to own the uranium ETFs. I'd rather own my top three favorite uranium companies, but there's nothing wrong with, with this stock. And I know, I think what Sprott, um, the Sprott funds took over this, right? They took, oh yeah, Sprott Uranium Miners. If I was to do an ETF, it would be the Sprott Uranium Miners. There's no doubt. And that's a, that's a good looking pattern. Maybe I'm going to write that down. Maybe I'm going to add that. Maybe that's the way I get more uranium exposure. Particularly now that I hear that uranium is part of the Chinese currency they're building. Now, that's just fascinating to me. Um, so I'm going to write that down. Thanks for that. T-E-C-K. Yep. Tech is, you know, moving out here. Rio. Like I was saying, Rio, BHP, Tech, Valley. And the, the way I'm playing that whole space is to own this ETF. I'm just going to own this ETF and collect 6% plus yield while, while I, I, um, I see capital appreciation. That's my call there. NTR, Nutrient. Yeah, I don't, I don't see the Nutrient stocks don't look good to me. And I don't like the action in Archer Daniels and Bunge. I mean, I, I don't understand what these stocks are doing. I thought they'd be a lot higher. Um, MOS, these things were really, you know, kind of breaking down last week. So um, I just can't do them right now. All right. From Boston. Oh, you, you got to. Come on. We're, we're, we're an original six team. You know, if it was Boston that was in the finals, I'd be going for Boston, too. So thanks for the uh, help there. All right. Hey, Saber, how are you, my friend? Hey, Michelle, how are you? XBI. Not only my friend, my sister. See, here's the problem. There's no green signal coming right now. The, the risk... Um, the armor algos that we would use would, would not be able to get long biotech at this stage here. This is a defined downtrend with lower lows and lower highs. And before we would, we would put money to work, we would need to see this go up, preferably, you know, I, at the very least, we'd have to see the rally, the pullback to prove that the bottom is in, make a higher low or a double bottom, something that would convince us that the downtrend is over. But right now, it's just locked in a downtrend, so I don't, I don't see the chance there. Um, <laughs> bad people. <laughs> Seriously, great. I mean, you know, it is what it is. Oh, SG. I don't know this one. A salad store. Oops, SG. Sweet green. I don't know. I'll have to look into that. I don't know anything about it. I mean, the chart doesn't look too good, but fast food restaurants. I mean, that chart looks god awful right now. So I don't know. I don't know what to make of that for you. Um, but I mean, I'll have to, I could do a little bit of work on it. All right, guys, this has been lots of fun. Uh, any last-minute questions, I'm happy to answer. Um, hey, Dennis, have a great weekend, too, man. See you on the trading desk bright and early Monday morning. Let's see if you got any other questions. We're just running over to the Slack room for a second. Anything we want to cover before we go here? Oh, yeah, all right, let's take a look at Zim. I'll, I'll look, I mean, Zim looks really... Really good, and probably at the very top of my whiteboard for inclusion um, next week. This is an Armor Insider certified analyst, Ares, one of his favorite picks, and I think that um, that's a, a, a pattern worthy of consideration. What I'm looking for is a move above the high of that big down bar right there that would get me long with the stop as the 50-day. That's how I would trade that next week. 
Let me see. Um, Going over real quick if there's anything I've missed here. Um, last minute questions. Reminds me of Chipotle. All right, I'll take a peek at that. Thanks, Jay. All right, great. I appreciate that, Jay. Listen, everybody, um, I appreciate the time you spent with me. Have a great weekend. I look forward to seeing you all on the live trading desk, 8.30 Monday morning for our Monday morning meeting. Take care, everybody, and let's go Rangers. No quitting in New York. Take care, guys.